Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the threat of violence at the state capitol, a new virtual senior program at Alexandria Tech, and Golden Gopher volleyballer C.C. McGraw. But first... On this vote, the ayes are 232, the nays are 197. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. And with that, President Donald Trump was impeached by the U.S. House. It's the first time in history an American president has been impeached twice. Representative Ilhan Omar spoke before the vote. Mr. Speaker, let us not mince words about what happened last week. It was a violent attempt to interrupt our democratic process. It was a targeted blow at the most essential process that makes us a democracy. It was a direct and specifically incited by the President of the United States. For years, we have been asked to turn a blind eye to the criminality, corruption, and blatant disregard to the rule of law by the tyrant President we have in the White House. We as a nation can no longer look away. The President not only incited an insurrection against our government, but has in word and deed led a rebellion. We cannot simply move past this or turn the page. For us to be able to survive as a functioning democracy, there has to be accountability. We must impeach and remove this president from the office immediately so that he cannot be a threat to our democracy. I stand ready to fulfill my oath of office. And I challenge my colleagues on the other side of the aisle to do the same. I yield back. Gentleman yields. Gentleman from Massachusetts Reserve. Gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We continue to reserve. Gentleman from Oklahoma Reserve. Gentleman from Massachusetts is recognized. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I'd like to ask unanimous consent um, to um, insert into the record a New York Times article published January 9th entitled, Our President Wants Us Here, The Mob That Stormed the Capitol. The final vote was 232 to 197. All Democrats and 10 Republicans voted to impeach Trump for inciting violence against the country in the wake of last week's siege of the U.S. Capitol building. Minnesota's congressional delegation voted along party lines. First District Congressman Jim Hagedorn voted no. Well, anytime you, you try to organize an event and it gets out of hand, there's going to be, uh, you're going to have to accept some level of responsibility. But for Democrats to go around and say that, you know, he was he was he was directing an insurrection that he was behind all this. That's that's ridiculous. We had people that broke the law that did the wrong things. And like I said, I've I've been to probably twenty of these, you know, rallies. This one was a pretty big one. There's never been any of this, so I think it was a surprise. And frankly it seems like the the people who were in charge of protecting the Capitol may not have recognized that this was going to be a, a substantial problem and unfortunately it is what it is. But the president himself has uh, stated for the record that he didn't want the violence. and and uh, But I think, you know, to do this, what, a week when he's going to leave office, it's just vindictiveness on the part of the Democrats. 
It's creating division. And really, it's not helping the country. And I don't see how this helps the Biden administration as they move into office. Second District Congresswoman Angie Craig voted in favor of impeachment. Well, what I can tell you is that I wasn't a politician last Wednesday as, as I stood uh, um, in my office in the dark and quietly listened to the images coming from uh, the gallery, the house gallery that I just left. Uh, I was a human being with a family and four sons, and I just wanted to get home to them. So this is not about politics. This is about an American president who continues to incite uh, violent people, and he knows they're violent, to commit crimes. And we cannot allow this level of lawlessness and criminal behavior in our country, nor can we allow those who are complicit in it uh, to continue to serve uh, as the United States president. Craig says, moving forward... Well, this is, you know... This is exactly what we need to do. We have to unite as a country around the truth. And uh, the truth is that this was a fair and free election. Joe Biden won it. Um, That is the big lie that the president and uh, many of my colleagues who are complicit have been telling the American people. Scott, I sat on a plane on my way back to Minnesota last Thursday, and uh, there were a number of the president's supporters on this plane, and I, I frankly just listened. And the truth is, they, they, they just believe what they've been told explicitly by this president, that he won the election, that somebody's stopping him from serving another term. So uh, I, I'm, this is not about being a Democrat or Republican. This is about being an, an American and standing either for the mob that uh, assaulted the Capitol last Wednesday, uh, or standing with democracy. Eighth District Congressman Pete Stauber voted no on impeachment, but said of the president's speech that preceded last week's attack on the U.S. Capitol. The speech and some of the words were, I would have used things differently. Uh, but I also know that as about the 18-minute mark, uh, if you read it, there was some uh, talk about, you know, peacefully uh, and patriotically, um, you know, marching over to the Capitol. Now, um, we know that the vast majority were peaceful protesters, but those that that broke in, assaulted our police officers, um, and assaulted our democracy, they have to be held to the highest standard. They have to be held accountable. It's unacceptable. And they, there should be char- no charges should be dropped. No charges should be dropped on anybody that uh, that broke into the Capitol and assault uh, the police. Um, you break the law, you're held accountable. And uh, I think that uh, we as elected officials, I think we all need to step back, take a breath, and uh, and, and uh, understand our commonalities, far outweigh our differences. And I think that that's the way we go about healing as a nation. Every one of us take responsibility uh, for our actions and know that we are not uh, we're not uh, republicans or democrats or independents libertarians we are americans first and foremost minnesota matters returns after this
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The U.S. House impeachment of President Trump right on the heels of last week's violence at the U.S. Capitol made for a tense week in the halls of Minnesota government as well. MNN's Bill Werner joins us with a report. Scott, emotions boiled over first thing Monday morning at a forum with Governor Tim Walz and legislative leaders, prompted by reports that while rioters stormed the U.S. Capitol last week, several Republican state lawmakers attended a rally at the state Capitol, where some protesters made threats against the governor. The result of that in that language of taking the governor and his family prisoner, and there may be casualties, resulted for the first time the state patrol entering the living quarters and removing my 14-year-old son to a safe location as he's crying looking for his dog. Sharp words exchanged between the governor and House Republican Minority Leader Kirk Dowd. I, for one, am not going to try and spend a lot of time to figure out why a president of the United governor, States... Governor, I, I have spoken out against that many times. I, I can't speak out in stronger terms that that is absolutely wrong. You and I agree on that. I really do think it's important we lower the tone. I mean, there's there are a number of things going on that we've got to figure out how to navigate through. Said Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. I don't want you to lead people to believe for one second that I condone that behavior. I have I have denounced it about but five times. But you have to call, acknowledge that it occurred. It right Let's imagine for a moment somebody referred to casualties towards your family, and I want to know how how warm and fuzzy you're going to feel about having a conversation with those people the next day. House Speaker Melissa Hortman. It wasn't six months ago when we had a current member of the legislature stand in a police officer's driveway, inciting violence, beating an effigy of that police officer and his wife. Speaker Horbin responded she denounced that action by a DFL candidate and says as for Republicans who attended the protests at the state capitol. You can bet we will fully investigate and find out exactly what was said and done and whether any of that was worthy of prosecution as happened this Summer. Tensions ratcheted up further amid concerns about potential violence at the Minnesota State Capitol during the run-up to the Washington, D.C. inaugural of President-elect Joe Biden. An FBI Minneapolis report said some followers of the violent Boogaloo group attended protests in early December at the Minnesota State Capitol, quote, to identify escape points and defensible positions if violence occurred. The FBI report says the Boogaloo movement was not planning an attack per se, but was planning to use violence should fighting occur. The governor said, Legislators here, these are moms and dads and business owners and teachers and nurses and doctors who come to the Capitol to do the people's work for a couple months out of the year. 
These people are posting their names and their addresses online and threatening to go to their houses. The governor activated the Minnesota National Guard to protect the state capitol, other government buildings, and the people who work there and visit. You will see a presence of folks protecting folks' First Amendment rights to uh, uh, to peacefully assemble and protest. Um, I would make the case that um, you got a pretty weak argument if you need to bring a gun to do it, but um, that that's some of what it sounds like will happen. The governor pointed to lessons learned from the U.S. Capitol riots. This idea of people saying, well, how would you know people would take it literally? Because he said, go to the Capitol. Because the president's lawyer said, trial by combat. What did you think was going to happen? Could you have ever imagined we would be standing talking about the aftermath of an assault on the Capitol, how armed groups are organizing online, and how we're going to protect our Capitol uh, from that. But that is where we're at. It's probably a fair bet that Minnesotans remembered the U.S. Capitol Police officer killed during last week's riots when, this week, Waseca Police Officer Eric Madsen came to the state capitol just over a year after he was shot in the head by a suspect. Officer Madsen's visit coincided with lawmakers introducing a bill requiring a minimum 30-year prison sentence for attempted first-degree murder of an officer, judge, prosecutor, or corrections officer. Waseca County Attorney Rachel Cornelius says... The current law does not account for if the officer or officers are gravely injured, almost die, have to learn how to eat, walk, and talk all over again, and possibly not ever return to work. We are turning a tragic event that happened to our family into something purposeful. Said Officer Matson's wife, Megan, as she assisted her husband, who then came to the podium. I wish I could say this would be the last time we'd have to prosecute this crime, but unfortunately that's probably not going to be the case. But thank you for acknowledging how um, our jobs as police officers are never normal and that we have a, a number of circumstances that can go wrong and be very tragic. And, and thank you for um, all the support this past year and all the prayers and kind gestures from everybody. It's been amazing, but it's definitely been a whirlwind to recover. So thank you again for having us here this morning. Scott. Thank you, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A central Minnesota college is expanding on the program for older adults to engage in learning. Reporter J.W. Cox tells us how changing technology has made it possible to reach an even larger audience than ever before. Scott, it's called Senior College, and now it's going virtual. Amy Sunderland directs the program based out of Alexandria Tech and Community College. She says the established success of their program has positioned them well to take this next step. Well, senior College is really about uh, bringing college-level learning to an adult audience. Uh, it was started uh, in 2006 uh, with the vision of, uh, of offering college courses, and it's evolved into a lecture series, uh, which works really well to bring in lots of different faculty from around the state and beyond to give lectures on all kinds of topics, history, economics, um, current affairs, biology. We sort of take it all up and, um, and it's really a, a wonderful opportunity to engage with the world. And in normal times, we also have coffee and cookies together, but now we're doing it via Zoom and it's still a way to connect. 
What led to the pivot to a digital delivery of the senior college offerings? The audience participation has been growing steadily uh, every year, and we have many times had people ask, well, can we get recordings of this or can we participate? And we haven't really had a vehicle for doing that. And then, you know, people have wanted to invite friends and family to participate and people have said, oh, I wish we had something like that in our area. Well, suddenly, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, everything on the college campus is turning to Zoom uh, as the way of delivering instruction. So we uh, asked our people if they were interested in doing that and they said yes. And so they have been uh, really the, the key people who have told friends and family. Uh, and so we have people from Maryland now. We have people from the larger West Central area, people who are very grateful that now they can finally participate because they didn't want to make the drive in the past. Uh, so I, I think it's really opened up some new opportunities. The first course for 2021 focused on the 1970s. Tell us what people can expect from that. The course is being led by Dr. Ken Jones, who's a professor of history at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University. And he's done some lectures for us in the past, and he has a way of bringing things to life uh, in ways that uh, are very entertaining. And he proposed this talk of uh, the 70s, is it a a wasteland in between. And as he described it, he said the 60s or the 80s conjure up clear images of the historical significance of those two decades. But the 70s, he says, typically gets no respect. It's been called the undecade or the wasteland in between. So what he wants to do is examine how it is we lost this sense of American exceptionalism which is the idea that the nation and its leaders were somehow special and trustworthy, which also turns out to be very relevant uh, to today. And um, he'll be talking about the uh, changing nature of the U.S. economy, the implications for the working class. Um, the 70s was also a time when the battle for equal rights moved to busing and um, there was residential development and segregation um, hardened into place in some places, and the women's movement uh, was making great strides, and lots of things were going on. And so he's going to review a lot of that, and by the end says that participants will be able to make their own choice on what we should call the 1970s, and maybe the most consequential decade of, of our time. What are the other types of offerings from Senior College? During the fall and in the spring, we run uh, uh, essentially a uh, six-week term that's individual lectures. So it's a lecture series, and each Tuesday and Thursday is a different topic with a different speaker. So we're taking up uh, matters of... Uh, understanding the dynamics of the Minnesota economy. Um, we've had someone do a, a talk on the history of development of the national parks. Um, we have a diplomat in residence at the University of Minnesota who's always giving us updates on foreign policy and looking, you know, last term I think was refugees and 
global migration. We take up religion. Um, we've looked at Ireland and the, the border uh, issues there. You know, all sorts of topics. And uh, there are faculty from the University of Minnesota system, uh, St. John, St. Ben's, Carleton, uh, St. Olaf, McAllister, Hamlin. I mean, we just have such tremendous resources all around the state, and they're fabulous faculty who love sharing their expertise. How do people get more information and sign up? Go to www.alectech.edu slash senior college. It's really a great value. If you missed the January session, the spring term of senior college is set to begin in mid-March. Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Did you know that more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So, ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's nlcrt.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University of Minnesota volleyball team had its season delayed from the fall to the winter and spring. Finally, it will get underway next weekend in home matches against Michigan State on January 23rd and 24th. Golden Gophers are ranked 7th in the nation after advancing to the Final Four last year, and they're having an impact not just on the court, but off the court as well. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with Gopher Junior Volleyball player C.C. McGraw for Minnesota Matters. Golden Gopher Volleyball player C.C. McGraw of Prior Lake is with us here. C.C., great to see you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, excited to chat. <laughs> well, it's it's been like a year since you guys have played. The Final Four was your last uh, opportunity to be on the court, obviously, you know, all heck broke loose in the spring. Um, we thought maybe there'd be a chance for a fall season. That got pushed back. Um, how eager are you now, after a year's wait, that the schedule's on the calendar? Uh, you've got 11 series, I guess two-game series, which will be unique. We'll talk about in a minute. But just how happy are you that uh, it looks like the season's going to get going here soon? Oh, yeah. It was definitely a relief to finally see a schedule in place because I think we were all just waiting around like, oh, my goodness if we will have a season so it's just nice to have some structure and something to actually i don't know be excited about um so i think all of us are really giddy to finally be able to compete again <laughs> i think every team in the big time they're just all super talented you know you don't you never know who's gonna be showing up that night um in the past it'll be you just can't overlook any team because they're all awesome, so it'll be interesting. <laughs> 60 seconds. Give me a quick synopsis of the newcomers. Uh, just real quick, uh, run through them and, and tell us what our fans will be able to see when they see them on the court for the first time. Yeah, so we have three freshmen that came in. Um, we have a 6-3 setter, and then we have two outside hitters that came in, um, and they're all just very impressive. They're all tall. 
Um, we've got some height that came in, so that's nice. We're we're ready. We're ready to compete. It'll be nice. Yeah, it, it, you figure you think about it. Uh, it was 2019, December 2019, the last time you guys played. So you really basically did not play a match all of calendar year 2020. And now here we uh, get to see you guys back at it uh, coming up uh, January 23rd, uh, a home series with Michigan State a Saturday, Sunday. And then it runs all the way into uh, April and, and hopefully into uh, mid to late April as, uh, as, as hopefully things can extend. Um, well, good luck with that part of it. I, I want to also uh, uh, commend you and talk to you a little bit about some of the community service that you and your teammates do um, and first of all, uh, kind of take us through w- why you guys and why you in particular want to be part of the community and do volunteer hours and go do things that uh, impact uh, impact the campus and the community. I think, I mean, ever since I was a little girl, I remember the massive impact that those athletes during that time in college had on my career and like my drive to become better and a better athlete. And so like, with this platform, I think it's just a great opportunity for all of us to really influence others and inspire others. Yeah, give us a couple of examples. I know you did some stuff with the American Red Cross and their communications department. Kind of take us through some of some of the things you have done to, to you know, that have helped the community. Yeah, um, I ended up getting into Red Cross this past summer. Um, my dad's on the board, so like I was really interested in that and. I was able to get on their communications team and I was able to start writing up blog posts and I wrote up one post just about COVID in general and how that impacts people's um, mental health and athletes um, specifically and how that's kind of been a game changer for us having to adjust. Um, And then just being able to like interview people who have kind of endured like different disasters and um, many different things that are going on in the world right now and trying to hear about their experiences and do write-ups on that. Um, you as a team, and you've been part of this, have adopted through uh, an organization called Team Impact, a, a young lady named Cora. Tell us about Cora and um, and some of the challenges she's facing and how you as a volleyball team and you as a player can, can try to help impact her through Team Impact. Yeah, we were all super excited to be able to work with Cora. Unfortunately, obviously, things didn't really go well and go as planned, but we've still been able to adjust and do a lot of different activities with her. Um, She's not able to move a whole lot and like not able to communicate. And it depends on the day if she can even like walk. Um, She just faces a lot of different struggles, but that literally does not affect her in any way. Like mentally, she's just such a happy soul and so pure. And we just love to get to engage with her if that's on zoom or like we'll have like Netflix watch parties where we can just engage with her in any way we can. Um, So I'm hopeful that, like, she'll be able to somewhat see us this spring and watch us compete and be somewhat a part of it. Um, I know she's, like, higher risk, so we'll see how that kind of works out. But our whole team has just loved that, and we've all been – we've seen Team Impact players in the past with other teams, and we've always wanted that so bad. We're like, that would just be so cool to be able to make such a big difference in her life and make her feel like she's a part of the team. So I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do more of that this spring. Yeah, hopefully things get back to normal. She can uh, do some personal interaction with uh, with you and your teammates. But for now, it's over the computer screen, and I know you guys are putting in a, a strong effort to try to, uh, to, to have an impact on, on her life. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Uh, we appreciate it, CC. We're looking forward to January 23rd, uh, opening night at Maturi Pavilion, Minnesota, and Michigan State. Best of luck, and uh, let's chat again soon. For sure. Thank you so much. That's Gopher Volleyball player CC McGraw of Prior Lake and MN Sports Director Mike Grimm. 
That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.